0: Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message.
1: And I don't know about you, but I am glad I'm going to heaven. What about you? I know that it's sealed by the blood of Christ. My name is written in the land's book of life because I put my faith and trust in Jesus. It is not on the basis of my righteousness or any good that I might do, but totally on the goodness and the grace of Almighty God. And I'm so thankful that Jesus is Savior and Lord. If He's not Savior and Lord of your life, that can be settled today. And you need to know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die, that you would go to heaven. Because one thing is certain, we will all die. And one thing is certain beyond that, we will all exist somewhere in eternity. And I hope and pray that you'll choose to exist in eternity in that place prepared for you by Jesus, that place called heaven. He'll speak to your heart, speak to your life, and draw you. You'll be open to him. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John chapter 4. The Gospel of John chapter 4. We're in the midst of a series, Kingdom Living In a fallen world Kingdom living that's the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God If you've been called to the kingdom of heaven if you're a part of the kingdom of God Then as you have been called there and you have been left here on this earth He's called you to do kingdom living in this fallen and lost world Now, how do we know how to live kingdom living in a lost or fallen world we know that because jesus showed us right i mean when jesus shows up he shows up to reveal to us what kingdom living is all about he helps us to understand how you can enter into the kingdom of heaven he helps us to understand how the kingdom of heaven is for all eternity and then through the gospels he reveals to us what kingdom living is all about And here in John chapter 4, it's one of the most remarkable chapters in the New Testament. It's one of the most remarkable chapters of any of the Gospels. It's it's one of the most remarkable chapters in the entire Bible because of what it teaches and what it reveals about Jesus and about kingdom living. If you remember in John 3, 16, it says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we focused on whosoever. That means anybody. Anybody and everybody who believes in Jesus can have eternal life and not perish. Isn't that great to know? I don't know about you. That that is a precious word to me because I'm glad to know that I don't have to meet a certain category, be a certain type, be a certain person in order to be qualified that I would go to heaven. But rather, if I'm breathing and living and a human being, Jesus died for me, and he invites me that I might be saved. So, whosoever will believe in him will come. Well, chapter 4 builds on that. And it builds on it in this way, that in this story and this experience in the life of Jesus, he's going to help us to understand that the kingdom of God is for all people. Did you hear that? In this one chapter, he's going to help us to understand that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is for all people. That means you. That means your neighbor. That means that person that you don't know who lives down the street from you. That that means a person who might not even like you. That means a person who is the worst sinner or the most righteous person you might know. The, The reality of it is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is for all people, and Jesus is going to help us to see that. If you were to take and to put a chapter, this story this chapter, then most of you have heard this story before. It's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus and the woman at the well. But we're going to open that up for you today and help you to see how that story reveals that Jesus says the kingdom is for all people. I'm going to begin reading here in verse number 3 of the, of the Gospel of John, chapter 4. It said, talking about Jesus, And he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Wait a minute, let's say, underline this phrase. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph And Jacob's well was there Jesus therefore underline this being wearied from his journey Was sitting thus by the well And it was about noontime Or the sixth hour now before we ever get to the point of him meeting this woman at the well I want you to see some things right there that have to do with kingdom living. I, I want to give you three principles in Jesus' life that have to do with kingdom living. You need to write these things down because you're going to need to know them. You're going to need to know them because they're going to apply to your life if you're going to be serious about kingdom living in this fallen world. The one thing I want you to emphasize there in verse number four, and, and you need to read it like this, and he had to pass through Samaria. He had to to pass through Samaria. That, that doesn't mean that the only way that he could get from Judea to Galilee was through Samaria. It's not, that's not what it means. That word he had to is a word that means he is compelled to, he is drawn to it. There's something he has to do, there's someone he has to meet. God's direction, God's spirit is leading him that he must go through. Samaria you get the picture of that and and that's the way Jesus walked that's the way Jesus lived you're going to find later in the book of John he says this I do nothing of my own initiative what what I see the father do is what I do what I hear the father speak is is what I speak I get my instruction from him and whatever he tells me to do that's what I do that's how Jesus described kingdom living that's exactly the way it's supposed to be in our life And it says that when Jesus is here waiting to go from Judea to Galilee, where he carried most of his ministry around Capernaum or the Sea of Galilee, when he's leaving Judea to go there, that he is compelled by the Spirit of God that he must go through Samaria. He must go through Samaria. There's something for him to do. There's a purpose for him to fulfill there in Samaria. So let me tell you three principles that had to do with that particular verse, that particular statement when he says that he had to go through Samaria. The first one is this. Kingdom living involves God setting your calendar. Did you hear that? Kingdom living involves God setting your calendar. The way Jesus walked is the Father set his calendar. He went where the father told him to go. He moved when the father told him to move. He was obedient to what the father had him to do. And therefore, if you're going to do kingdom living, you're going to let God establish your calendar. Now, let's talk about us. Our problem is so many of us have pushed our calendars so full, so busy, we don't have time to do what God would have us do. Isn't that the truth? I mean, are any of you busy? There are two things you hear everybody say. I don't care if they're three years of old or they're 90 and been retired for 25 years. You'll hear two things that people say. The first thing is, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Matter of fact, retired people will tell me, and it's kind of discouraging for those of us who are getting closer to retirement time, but retired people will say, Man, I'm busier now than when I worked. Well, I think I'll keep working. <laughs> We're all so busy. We all got so much to do. Second thing we hear people always say is, I'm so tired. I wonder if maybe we're so tired because we're so busy doing what we've set on our calendar rather than having a time for God to set our calendar. See, Jesus didn't set his calendar. God set his calendar. And when he is leaving now to go from Judea to Galilee, the Father has said to him, I need for you to go through Samaria. I want you to go to go through Samaria and therefore the father has the right to establish his calendar can I ask you to evaluate your calendar when you when you go home take your calendar and say how much of this calendar is set up by God and how much of this is set up by me and is there any place in this calendar where God might be able to interrupt what I'm doing to get me to do what he would want me to do you hear that Think about it. Well, it's not just that kingdom living involves God establishing your calendar. But kingdom living also means that you may go to some places that most people would want to skip. Did you hear that? God, God may call you in kingdom living to go to some places that most people would want to skip. Not go there. That, that's what happened right here when it comes to the land of Samaria. Do, do you have that? Do you have that map for me? There's a map that's on there. Did you? Did you have a, okay, right there. Thank you. All right. I want to show you this. Judea, I got a little fancy thing right here. See that? Yeah, Judea's in the south, and he's going to Galilee, which is up by the Sea of Galilee. Now, the closest route that you would go is to go from Jerusalem through samaria to the sea of galilee but samaritans and jews did not like each other that's putting it lightly they despised one another matter of fact the jews so despised the samaritans that most jews whenever they would leave to go to galilee instead of going to this straight they would go and they'd cross over the Jordan. This is the Jordan River. They would cross over the Jordan, go into the land of Perea, go all the way up here, and then cross back over to go to the Sea of Galilee. They would do that, even though that's a longer trip, they would do that because they didn't want to have to deal with Samaritans. They didn't want to, have to be in the land of Samaria. They didn't want to be defiled by those Samaritan people. And therefore, they would cross over and go this route. But not Jesus. When Jesus is told by God that I need you to go, I must needs go by way of Samaria, and there's a little city right there, Sychar, right inside of Samaria, where Jesus goes to. Most Jews would want to skip it. I'll go somewhere else. I'll do something else for you, God, but not Jesus, the Son of God, because His Father told Him to went to that. Forsaken land that jews would think in that place where nobody would want to go. They are willing to go Kingdom living involves going to some places that other people might want to skip Other people might want to wipe out and say somebody else has to do that kingdom living. That's what jesus taught us to do third thing from these verses kingdom living involves serving god even when you're tired and weary Did you hear that? where did you get that? Well, look here in verse number six Whenever he comes to the city of Sychar It says, Jesus, therefore Being wearied from his journey Was sitting thus by the well It was about noontime Or the sixth hour What does it say about Jesus? It says he was tired It says he was weary You know what that means? Jesus had a physical body just like we do And his body would get hungry, and his body would get tired. He would get weary. He's traveled. He's thirsty. That's what Jesus, Jesus at this particular point described in this gospel is tired, weary, and thirsty. We find out. But in the midst of being tired, weary, and thirsty, he still is going to fulfill what God has called him to do involving meeting a woman at that well. And see, that means that whenever you're going to do kingdom living, sometimes you're going to be tired. Sometimes you're going to be weary. But even when you're tired and weary, there may be something that God has you to do. There may be some calling he has for you, something, some purpose he has for you, something that he's designed for you, something he wants you and you alone to do. And you must be willing to do it. It's it's funny to me, if you ever go on mission trips with people, People who've first been on mission trips, first time they do, they'll that first morning, i am tell you what, they're all dressed up and they're ready to go. And they they're, they're, can't wait to get out there and work. But by the end of the week, they're dragging. You're trying to find them. Where, where'd they go? <laughs> well, get, get them out of the bunk. Get them over here. They got, we're, we're, we're tired. We're, let me tell you something. You've got to be willing to serve God tired and weary as well as the first day of the project. All right, you got to be willing to serve God at the end of the day as much as you did at the morning daybreak You got to be willing to serve God no matter what the situations are in your life Because Jesus teaches us that even though he's tired and weary and Jesus had every right to say I don't want to talk to anybody I don't want to deal with anything. I want to rest. I want to eat something. I'm all about me right now That's not what Jesus did but rather, he goes to where the Father tells him to in a land everybody wants to skip, tired and weary. And he's about to encounter someone that he's supposed to meet. You know who this person is? This person is the least likely person in all of the world that Jesus would share the gospel with. If you were to pull out one person and say... This person would be the one that Jesus would not. Based on his culture and all the things that are happening in his time, this is the one person Jesus would not talk to. And who is that? The woman he's about to meet. Look what it says in verse number 7. As Jesus sits at the well, there came a, circle this, woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, Listen now, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to, here it is, eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where we, where men, ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father." You worship that which you do not know, but we worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that, circle this. That Messiah is coming he who is called the Christ when that one comes he will declare all things to us you need to underline verse 26 about four times let's what it says Jesus said to her I who speak to you am he you hear what he just said without without any stuttering, without any picture language, he just outright tells her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. The only time recorded in the Gospels that he specifically says, oh, there's times when they ask him questions, the only time he specifically says to a person, I am the Messiah. Wow. Wow. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he was speaking with a woman, yet no one said, What do you seek, and why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. Verse 39. And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there. Underline this. He stayed there two days, two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves, And know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. And after the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. Amazing story. I hope you do not let the familiarity of that story keep you from being amazed at what happened there at that well with that woman. First of all, it's the most unlikely person Jesus would ever speak to. Let me give you reasons for that. The first reason is this, she was a woman. In that culture, in that time, men and women did not speak to one another publicly. Matter of fact, the only ones who would speak to each other publicly were a husband and a wife, and that was few and far between that they would actually converse out publicly. They would carry on their conversation in their own homes and whenever they were together. But it would be unheard of that a man would speak to a woman publicly. You understand that? I mean, do you realize that at that particular time, women did not have nearly the status that they have in our day? That at that time, they were considered much like possessions rather than people? (laughs) And they did not have the respect and the rights and the places they didn't have the privileges to worship in the temple like the men did all kinds of things that placed the woman below the man in the minds and the culture of people but not before Jesus amen Jesus considered her of great value he did not care that she was a woman he didn't care what the culture said he didn't care what anybody said he looked at her and saw her as a person not only is she a person she is a person that he loves Not only is she a person he loves, she is a person that he is eventually going to die on the cross to pay the price for her sin. But most men would never have spoken to her, would have never considered her, would have never said a word to her because she was a woman. The second thing is, she not only was a woman, she wasn't a Jewish woman, she was a Samaritan woman. And Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, (laughs) They 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 despise the Samaritans. Now you know why they despise the Samaritans. You know why they had such a racial and national culture fight between them. It's, it has to do with their history. The, the Samaritans actually became a people when the northern kingdom of Israel fell. The Assyrians defeated the the Israelites. They carried a lot of the people of Israel over to their nation, but then they also sent people of their nation and other nations. ...back into the northern kingdom of Israel in order to cohabit with the, wo- the Jews who were left there. And they cohabited and they married one another. And therefore they were considered half-breeds in the sense, half-Jew, half-Pagan. And that very thing would make a true blue Jew is just turn over in their grave. In the fact that these people did not honor the fact that they're supposed to marry only Jews... But that's not the only reason. Historically, as the Samaritans were there, they constantly fought against the children of Israel when they were trying to accomplish things. Whenever the southern kingdom got defeated, you've read read about it in, in the book of Nehemiah. You read about it in the book of Ezra. You read about all these things that happened. When they came back and they were going to start to rebuild their temple, when they were going to rebuild their wall, the Samaritans did not want them to come back. Samaritans did not want them to rebuild their wall, so you find out that they resisted them, and they lied, and they would fight against them. All those things that Nehemiah wrote about, all those things Ezra, if you'll find Sanballat was a Samaritan. Tobiah was a Samaritan. They were fighting against the children of Israel, trying to reestablish their nation. And whenever they were doing, working hard to do it, Samaritans fight. They despised them for what they did. Not only that, they worship a different God, or they worship in a different way. They considered that they were the chosen people of God, that they were supposed to worship. They had their own Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They, they worship in a mountain called Gerizim, and that's where they would worship. And they said, this is where you worship, not down in the temple in Jerusalem. And they would despise the Jews because they said that Jerusalem was a place where they were supposed to worship. In other words, the picture is this. They were in race and in nationality and everything else. They were in in conflict with one another. And whenever you talk about she's a woman and she's a Samaritan woman, there's no way Jesus as a Jew, if he would have been like all the other Jews, would have ever talked to her, would have ever given her a moment's time. Uh, there's another thing. They were complete strangers. Did you know in that time, they weren't like us in the South? You know what we in the South do? We wave at everybody, don't we? How are you doing? Matter of fact, people in the North ever say, what are you doing? I'm waving. Why are you waving? That's just what we do down here. <laughs> All right. uh, wave at everybody. Well, they didn't do that. Strangers did not speak to one another. They, they didn't talk to one another. So here you've got a woman who's a Samaritan who is a complete stranger. But that's not all You find out whenever he reveals to her what he knows about her He knows that she's what a woman of questionable character Wouldn't you say that? Hold on a second. She's been married. How many times? Five times She's been married and now she's living with somebody who's not her husband I would say that in most cultures that would be questionable character Her sinful activity. Matter of fact, when people would see that, especially you'd think the Son of God who is holy, when he would know what what type of woman she is, that he wouldn't have one thing to do with her. Whenever she's been married five times, she's living with somebody who's not her husband, he wouldn't have anything to do with her because he's holy and she is sinful. Well, I want to tell you, her sin did not keep Jesus from talking to her. (laughs) Her sin did not keep Jesus from inviting her. Her sin did not keep Jesus from telling her about life and eternal life. You know why? Because Jesus loves all people. He loves all people. He loves the woman. He loves the Samaritan. He loves the stranger. He he, he loves even the one who has sin in their heart and life. And you ought to have said amen to that. Jesus loves all of them. Hey, that's not all about her. You know what you find out? She, she has a different religion. She, she says, when she says, I perceive you're a prophet. So let me ask you a question. Do you think we ought to worship down in Jerusalem at the temple like you Jews say? Or do you think it ought to be like, like what we say? And that's in Mount Gerizim, in this mountain right here. Which one? She let him know that they had, she had a different faith, a different religion, different beliefs. Well, surely if there's somebody with a different faith and different beliefs, we're not going to have anything to do with them. We're not going to go and talk to them because they already know what they believe and what they have. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus doesn't care what her faith is. He doesn't care how much sin she's got in her life. He doesn't care anything about What he cares about is that he loves her. And that the kingdom of God is for her. The kingdom of God is for her and that she, she needs him. She needs what he is going to give to him. A final thing about it is, is this. Did you know that a Jew, a rabbi especially, a teacher, which they called Jesus rabbi, teacher, a rabbi would never drink or eat from a cup or utensil that a Samaritan had eaten from If a Samaritan had drank from a cup, they would never drink from that. But here is Jesus who says to this woman, give me something to drink. Give me something. Do you know how he's going to drink? Do you know what he's going to use to drink from? He's going to use to drink from the very same thing that she drew it from, that she drank from it. So everything, everything that would cause her to be the person that Jesus would have nothing to do with and would be the least likely person that Jesus would talk to, none of those things matter to Jesus. All that matters is she is a living human being who needs a Savior. You got that? Let me tell you something. Hold on a second. Whenever you become a part of God's kingdom, you're supposed to feel exactly the same way exactly the same way we got so much going on in our nation these days and in our culture these days where it's this this life matters and that life matters. let me tell you something all lives matter and all lives matter to jesus and if you are a child of god saved by the grace of god and a follower of the lord jesus christ I don't care how you grew up. I don't care what you were taught. I can tell you this. When you become a part of God's kingdom, you're supposed to love like Jesus loves and care like Jesus cares and do what Jesus did. And you put all of those things aside. You're not to be racist anymore or sexist anymore. You're not to be looking down your nose on people because they're sinners. And you're not to question about their religion, whether or not I can share with them or not share with them. That's not for us to do. We're supposed to love like Jesus loves and care like Jesus cares, and there's not anybody that he doesn't redeem. There's not anybody that he won't reach, and that means that's us. Now, that may not be me as a person. That wasn't me as a person, but whenever I gave my heart to Jesus, he changed my heart. The love of God is supposed to be in our heart, driving us and moving us to do what jesus did In john chapter four well this woman who i'm sure was shocked that jesus knowing all things that he knows about her and that he would speak to her she finally had can't do anything but just be amazed at what he says and and and, he, and she says well i i know that when the messiah comes He's going to reveal all things. And Jesus says to her, I am that Messiah. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I am the one the Jews have been waiting for. I am the one who's the redeemer of the world. I am the Messiah. You know what she does? She drops her water bucket. I might have dropped my water bucket too, wouldn't you? I mean, she drops her water bucket and she runs into the city as fast as she can run. She came out there for the purpose of getting water, but whenever she meets the living water, she could care less about the physical water anymore. <laughs> she runs into the city. You know why? Because in that city, there are people that she knows. There are family members. There are, there are neighbors. There are people she knows. And she wants them to come and meet the one who's told her everything. And she goes in and says, I met somebody who's told me all things about myself. This couldn't be the Christ, is it? And what she's saying is, this must be the Christ. Who can tell me that except to be the Christ? You need to come. You need to come and see him. You need to come and meet him. He's out there by the well. And You know what they did? They all came. Let me show you, let me show you what, what, what's precious about that. If we just talked about the Samaritan woman and the fact that Jesus wouldn't deal with Samaritans or with women or whatever, now he's got the whole Samaritan city coming out there. All of them are coming out there. To meet the one who is the Messiah. And they come out there and, and they come because of what the woman said. And they come and they say to Jesus, Jesus, would you, would you stay with us for two days? <laughs> would you just stay in, our, stay in our city for two days? You know what that means? Jesus is going to sleep with the Samaritans. He's going to be eating at the table of the Samaritans. He's going to be fellowshipping with the Samaritans. He's going to be engulfed With these Samaritans. And what would most of us say? Oh, no. No. I can can be interested in this woman at the well, as long as I'm at the well. But I'm not coming in there and being with you Samaritans. Not not Jesus. Jesus goes in and spends two days and two nights with them, telling them about the gospel, telling them about the Messiah, revealing to them who he is. And they go and say, we believe, not just because of what the woman says, we believe because we've met him. We believe because we hear what he said. We believe that he is the Messiah. And Jesus then gets up after those two days and makes his way into Galilee, continuing his ministry, but knowing that he had to go through Samaria, because there was a woman who needed him in an entire city who would respond to him as the Messiah. Let me tell you something, friend. You need to go and you need to pray over this chapter. You need to look at this chapter. You need to examine your heart over this chapter. You need to say, For Almighty God, God. I want to be like Jesus. I I want to go wherever you tell me to go. I want to clear my calendar and let you reveal to me what I need to do. And if it's someplace that nobody else wants to go, Lord, I I, I want to be willing to do that. And if I'm tired and weary, God, I, I want to do it even if I'm tired and weary. And, Lord, I want to see everybody for the way you see them. I want to love everybody you love. And I want to know that no matter who they are, none of them are disqualified. And I am not in any position that I would ever question or wonder who I could speak to or what I could say or how I feel about somebody because I am your child and I am a part of your kingdom and your kingdom lives in my heart and in my life. And I am called to tell everybody about Messiah, the living water, that when you partake of him, you will thirst no more. You will thirst no more my friend, in our culture these days, we ought to be leading leading the way. We don't lead the way because of who I am or what I am. We lead the way because we're part of God's kingdom. And as a part of God's kingdom, we're going to let Jesus be Lord over our life. And what we see Jesus do, we're going to do. Where Jesus goes, we're going to go. Whom Jesus loves, we're going to love. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means for the kingdom living to happen in a fallen world. And what this world needs right now, I'll tell you, what this world needs is it needs a group of people who love Jesus, who are serving Jesus, who let the Spirit of God lead their life, who will give a bomb of Gilead over a hurting nation and love people no matter who they are. No matter who they are. And the only hope we have is that we as a part of God's kingdom We'll do what God called on us to do and follow the example of our Lord. Amen. He certainly was a wonderful example. A remarkable chapter where he says, the least likely person, I've got time for them. I've got time for them.
0: That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon-series Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church as well as our website at parkermemorial.com May God bless you until we meet again.